Welcome to the latest episode of the Brunton Bugle, your one-stop shop for all things Carly United. From Brendan McGill to Colin Meffin and Sam Cosgrove to Tom Cowan, we've got it covered. In today's episode, we're going to be looking back at two really professional and excellent performances against Southend and Scunthorpe, looking ahead to another two big games against Barrow and Newport County, as well as a roundup of uh, what X-Blues have been getting up to over the last week or so. Uh, I'm joined this episode by one of my co-hosts uh, today. It's Mike Booth. You've, we've broken the record of three episodes in a row with two hosts, Mike. It's just me and you today, isn't it? How's it going, mate? Yeah, it's going good. I think Dan's afraid to face me again in the quiz after my uh, excellent performance last week. Now he's taking uh, pity on you, more like <laughs> probably. Yeah, uh, no, but yeah, it's uh, it's good. You know, we're coming into this podcast now after three wins in a row, so things are looking up, and hopefully we've we've turned the corner. No, oh, definitely. Oh, the way things are going. Um, there's no news this week. <laughs> Nothing really happening off the pitch. So uh, it's all good. It's all about the, the games right now, isn't it? That's the way it's going. So let's get mm. straight into it, Mike, then. Let's get into the match review. So uh, looking back at the uh, wins over Southend and uh, Scunthorpe, both by two goals to nil, which I'm sure Dan will be telling everybody he predicted when we play his little clip at the end. <laughs> he sent me in an audio clip with his predictions for this week so he can be included in the prediction section, um, even though he's not able to record with us. Um, but yeah, I mean, two great wins, really. Both by two goals to nil. Um, I mean, surely not. Surely, is the dream still alive, Mike? Are we going to make the playoffs? Well, I kind of wrote it off a few weeks ago, and this is we why both I hate did. this club. <laughs> yeah, this is why I hate this club sometimes, because they give you hope, don't they? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, yeah, but it's, it's all to play for, it really is, and... You know we're coming we're coming in, in in good form now, and I find that form is often a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy, if you like. You know we we've just won three and we haven't conceded in them, so other teams are going to be a little bit more wary of us rather than having a go at us so much. So yeah, you know there's some some very big games. I mean the the uh, Barrow game is obviously a, a big six pointer and. Uh, you know the new well, I say six pointer. No, it's not six pointer. But the uh, Newport game is the six pointer. Yeah, and, but it's, you the know, Barrow uh, game is a big game for both teams, though, isn't it? They're trying to pull away oh, from the oh, bottom. Definitely. And we're trying to pull ourselves towards the top seven. And it, it's worth noting over the Easter weekend, only two teams in League Two took maximum points, and that was ourselves. Mm. And do you know who the other one was? Uh, was it Cambridge? No, it was Port Vale. Oh. Paul Vell really hit a really good run of form, which is worrying because we've got them in a few weeks as well, actually. Mm. Um, in fact, no, not even a few weeks. Next weekend, we've got Paul Vell at home. Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, we're, we're just on the cusp of that playoff place now. We're just outside it. And the fact that this week we've got that game in hand again, and it's against Newport. So we're gaining up on other teams, potentially, but also gaining on Newport themselves. It just gives you that little bit of belief, doesn't it? That maybe, just maybe, we can do this. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not even necessarily uh, Newport. I mean, like Forest Green, I haven't won in the last five games. You know, and I sort of shooed them in to be going up automatically, and they just seem to have dropped off the face of the earth themselves. I mean, they've, they've so, been badly hit, haven't they, by the fact that Jamil Matt picked up that. If you haven't seen it, it's an absolutely horrific injury he got against mm. Bolton. And it was game live on Sky Sports, and he, I think he essentially... It looked like he dislocated every finger, didn't it? It was. Mm. It's, it's not a pretty sight. If you're squeamish, don't bother looking at it. If you're interested yeah. in that kind of thing, go and search it out because it, it's it's quite a sight. Um, but their team seems to be built so much around playing with him as your talisman. Mm, exactly. Take him out of the team, and suddenly they just don't seem to know what to do, do they? And I was tweeting the guys mm. from the Heaven's Devils podcast, who we obviously uh, did a few bits with uh, early this season, and they were saying like that. You know, they would have. They were really gunning for a top three finish, but now if they finish top seven, they'll be delighted and you can understand mm. that. You imagine they're probably looking and thinking, let's scrape three 1-0 wins from these remaining games and that should secure us 
a top seven place, they'd hope. Um, but you're right, a lot of teams are dropping off. I mean, even Bolton, that they lost to Newport in that game. Mm. And, you know, they're not a million miles away. And obviously Morecambe in midweek only managed to draw against um, uh, Southend, who we obviously beat at the weekend. So mm. it's one of those ones that teams, it just seems like the teams in the, that are in the playoffs are the ones that are really panicking a little bit at the moment, whereas the teams just outside of it, ourselves and Leighton Orient, for instance, and even yeah. Salford getting a good result of the weekend, are just starting to fancy themselves to, to push for a place in the top seven, aren't they? Yeah, yeah well, Leighton Orient are unbeaten in the last seven, you know, yeah. so... Um, it, that result doesn't yeah, look quite so bad against them now, does it actually? And it wasn't a great no, performance, really. but yeah. in the grand scheme of things, yeah. But, but I think it's certainly going to go right to the wire. I think there could be drama on the final day, which, uh, you know, knowing Carlisle, win. You know, we'll be doing it on the final day if we're going to do it, won't we? Do you know what I mean? Well, it, it, it suits us quite well, that, because if you look who we've got on the final day, we've got Walsall <laughs> as our yeah. last game. The two games before that, well, we'll get into this in the preview section, but the two games before that are Cheltenham and Leighton Orient. So if you come out of those with good results, you'd fancy us, wouldn't you? You know, In that mm. sense, but there you go. Okay, well, let's look back at the games then, Mike. Um, first up, the Southend game. Um, let's not be about the bush here. This was an absolutely bloody awful game of football, wasn't it? Yeah, not it, many redeeming features from it. No, it really was, and I think the you know the scoreline it looks nice, sort of a two nil away win, but that Farman penalty save at one nil, you know, it could have gone very differently that game. Um, but yeah, in the in the end, you know, we were worthy winners. They didn't really test us very much. Did the they? penalty was um, the only shot on target they had? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's telling um, me, isn't it? Yeah, and you know we scored the sort of two best chances that we probably had. So, mm. you know, it, it, it was a, you know, a just win, but it, it wasn't a nice game to watch. It wasn't. I mean, I, I you could argue Southend, I mean, I thought they looked a better side when we played them earlier in the season. They looked like they're a bit more heart in that game earlier in the season. In this mm. game, they just, they looked like a team that knew they were going down. There, there wasn't really much fight about them, wasn't really to mm. get in the game. We were very professional, I thought, actually. We, we did our jobs and, it's one of these things that always stands out to me. If you're a team that's struggling near the bottom, you should be at least putting a few tackles in and, you know, making the effort, shouldn't you? When you mm. look at the stats from the game, Southend have picked up one booking and they've only committed eight fouls over the 90 minutes. Yeah, well, although, to be honest, I mean, it was more the uh, Scunthorpe game. that I, They seemed to really be sort of flying players at some of our shots from outside the box and stuff. Mm. That sort of, them heroic, putting putting your body on the line. And that's something that we've been missing a little mm. bit since since we, we've come back. Yeah, so we'll, we'll touch on the Scunthorpe game a little bit later, I think, Mike. But um, in terms of this game, we've got to talk about... Aussie's goal, haven't we? It's that's that's the real highlight from the game, wasn't it? I mean, everything, every touch he took in that goal was was outstanding, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean that, that chest control. Players at League Two level can't do that, you know. Like the way that he ju- he just left the man for dead with, with with his chest and then just carried on into the box. Somehow he somehow got it onto his right foot as well. It seemed to be more favourable for his left. And just what a goal. I mean, it's one of them. I think the goal of the season compilation this season, I think that'll definitely be on there. Oh, you'd imagine so, wouldn't you? It's, the thing that stood out for me was the fact that that, that chest control you mentioned there, he's a good three or four feet off the air, in the air, sorry, when he, when mm. he does it. To be able mm. to bring it down like that and take the man out of the game... With that one touch was brilliant. Then mm. it was the every touch after that, there was nothing particularly. Like even when he got into the air and he, he gets it onto his right foot, it's not a bad touch. That it looks a bit clumsy, but it's not. Mm. It's a great touch just to get out of his feet. And then you, we haven't seen a player who can really hit ball like that from the edge of the area for us for a while, actually. And it's mm. really nice to see. And you, you mentioned a few games ago that he he looks like a player who's a six yard box goal scorer, didn't you? Mm. Well, I think he's shown mm. now that he can actually do a little bit more, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, well, I was just going to say for me, his contract's up in the summer. We need to tie him down. Like, yeah. we really, really do. He does look a prospect, doesn't he? Was he only 22 mm. still? Yeah, that, yeah that, I think that's so. That's the thing that stands out for me as well. So mm. hopefully we can get him tied down. The penalty, we sort of touched on it briefly there before. But I mean, what a dreadful decision that was. I know James and Lummy had a different view. So they first thought it looked like a nailed on one. But as soon as I saw it in real time, I thought. That doesn't look like a foul. It looked like guys kind of sort of swung to go for the ball, but he hasn't swung anywhere near the player. 
And the player just seeing the leg out and just throwing himself down, he did. I don't know how the ref's been conned out that one. No, definitely. But it's one of them. If you stick your leg out in the area nowadays, you know, it's unfortunate. But if a player goes down and you've stuck your leg out, the referee's probably going to give it, you know. And, you know, justice was served when he uh, when it was saved. And it was a good save as well. Um, Not a great but, penalty, but it was still a good save, though. Because he, 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 he yeah. telegraphed it well. And Farman, I think what you give Farman credit for is, He's read the player there, hasn't he? Because there's only one mm. place he's putting that ball with this style of run-up and the way he was running up to it, for me. Yeah, yeah, def- definitely. And, you know, like I said before, if we hadn't saved that, it could have been a different game. So it's it's good that we did that. And, you know, we finally got a bit of, uh, you know, I don't want to call it luck, but, you know, these things have finally gone in our favour a little bit. Yeah, we didn't panic there, do we? That was, that was a big thing as well. We, we just kept yeah. playing our game. We didn't worry about the fact that maybe we weren't... Because, I mean, you look at the stats, we didn't actually create that many chances. We only had eight shots in the whole game, mm. which is quite low by our standards. Um, mm. Didn't panic, though. And then Tory comes on late on, and we, we, we've been willing him to do this for a while, haven't we? To When he mm. cuts inside from the right, from the left, sorry, to just hit yeah. it and hit the target. And he, fair exactly. play, he used the defender really well as a shield, didn't he? And just played it round. The keeper mm. had no sight of it at all, and it was never going to stop it. It was one of them ones as well that I like when... From where the camera was, you knew it was going in before it even like passed the keeper, you know, and before it even hit the net. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which which was was great to see, and yeah, you know, we need him to be doing more of that now, and maybe an impact sub is the role that he's going to be playing in the in the runner. Yeah, I, I think he can do that job really well, and he's good at keeping hold of the ball generally as well. I actually noticed that again in the Scunthorpe game when he came on, mm. he, he did really well to hold onto the ball a few times on the mm. left and. You know, he's going to have a role to play. There can be no doubt about that in the running. I think he's going to play a big role for us. Okay, I think that's enough about the uh, Southland game. Like I said, there's, there's not a huge amount to talk about from it just because it was a poor quality game of football. The Scunthorpe game, on the other hand, was was much more like it, wasn't it, Mikey? We look like mm. the, the Carlisle team of pre-Christmas for long periods of this game. There was a brief period when Scunthorpe got in it, but you, you know, you expect that team to can have little spells in games. But the second half in particular... We looked so strong, didn't we? And there was a period, I think it was about four or five minutes, round about when the goals were, where we just absolutely battered their goal, didn't we? Yeah, well, you said that we had eight shots all game in the um, South End game. Well, the second half of that Scunthorpe game, we had 14 shots in 15 minutes. So, tells you a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we could have gone in at half-time, like 2-0 down. Like even though I think mm. we had more of the ball, they had two very good chances that again we needed Farman to to save. But yeah, I mean second half we just absolutely battered them. And to be honest, the goals that we scored, we had better chances than that that we didn't score. Mm. You, you know, I mean that that Zanzala chance, you know that that was that was unlucky. And uh, McDonald forced a really good save from their keeper to take yeah. the ball over the bar, but. I think they were just been absolutely bombarded in, in that second half, and we just um, we it could have ended up four five nil in the end. Absolutely, I mean, I don't think they could have argued that the scoreline had been that. You mentioned about the two saves, and I think I think it is worth actually mentioning because you look at those two nil wins, and you think you know two great results over those games. But Paul Farman has played a big role in those two games, hasn't he? Definitely with the mm. penalties they've obviously. But those two saves in the first half and scored the only two shots they had on target the whole game. And they were two good efforts as well. They weren't... I mean, one mm. of them, he, as well, the one from O'Malley, I think it was. The great thing about that one was he, he had just enough soft hands to push it wide rather than push it back into danger. He yeah, pushed yeah. it away from a player and then from the resulting corner made another great save. And I think... I think sometimes you do forget this season how good he's actually been because for long periods he hasn't had a lot to do because we do mm. have such a good defence in terms of... I think there was a stat, wasn't there? I think we've got... the. Is it the second best in the EFL in terms of the number of shots per game? 8.4 yeah. on average that we face? Well, we went two or three games in a row without him facing a shot at all, didn't we? I mean, obviously, when you think about the bad period we had as well during the you know the code break and everything like that, mm. if you take that out of it, our stats would be even more incredible, wouldn't they? So, mm. um, But yeah, big shout out to Paul. And it's worth noting, he's, he's now on 12 clean sheets for the season, I think from 36 games, I think it is, he's played. Mm. Um, yeah, obviously, because... Um, What's he call him? He's played a couple of games as any Norman as well. He's now he only needs three more clean sheets from this last eight games for the best performance from a keeper for us since Kieran Westwood in 0708. 
But he wow. got 18 from 48 games that season. Also with mm. the two playoff games as well. Um, and it should be noted, the other two, I think they were nearest there, Jack Bonham in the season when he was on loan and Adam Collin in 2010-2011, both mm. got 14. So he's close to matching those two and possibly overtaking them. And I wouldn't back against it, to be honest. The way he's playing, I mean, what, like I said, he's, he's three games in a row now with clean sheets. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah I mean, g- generally player. speaking, strikers in pre-season aim for like the 20 goal mark keepers tend to aim for the 15 clean sheets mark and yeah he'll, he'll, he'll probably hopefully get he'll he'll get that by the end of the season you'd hope so wouldn't you um mm. so, yeah another game again where the last couple of games it, patience has been one of the key things and i think chris beach talked about this with the radio and with the newspaper after the game and i i think it was clear in this game as well we just had to be patient we had that period when we bombarded we didn't have to panic just keep pressing, mm. keep pressing. We were going to get the goals and it finally came and BFJ, big John, back with the goals, isn't he? What a guy. Yeah, like. definitely. Guy. And, and well, you know, he was, he's been getting in the, the right areas the past few games and I wouldn't put it past him to go on a little run again now with his goals, but slightly bold shout yet again, which is seems to become a weekly occurrence now, but I wouldn't say no to him getting the captain's armband, you know, because... Mm. Like it, it's not something that you see a lot, and I follow. But he seems to be talking quite a lot to to his teammates, and just his sheer work rate. I feel if your captain is putting in that effort, that'll lift other players around him. I think I, to be honest, would keep it away from him for now, just so he can concentrate on his game as much as anything. But possible mm. future option there, yeah, it's not a bad shout. Um, it's his fourth brace of the season. Uh, I've got to say, both really well taken goals, you know, from the. Set up by Callum Guy again as well. He's now the top assist maker in the division. Well done to him. Mm. Um, yeah, I just you know great header for the first and the awareness for the second as well. And the the constant pressure for that second goal is really impressive because your corner comes in. We nearly have a chance. It comes out to Riley at the edge of the box. And I'll tell you what, if the defender doesn't get away in that, I think that's going in the back of the net because the way yeah. he struck across the wall was brilliant. Ball comes out to Guy and he improvised brilliantly. Just hit it with the outside of his foot and then. Mel is just no, it's just a way enough to know if I just stab something on this, it's going in the back of the net. Don't need to, yeah. you don't need to hammer it. You don't need to try and place it. Just get your foot on the end of it, and it's going to go in. Mm. And also, he went into the roof from there. And there's a great video if you've seen the uh, the club's GoPro footage uh, of the second goal. The, yeah. let's, let's just say the keeper is not very impressed with his defenders uh, <laughs> marking on that goal, is he? I think it's fair to say. No. But no, yeah. like I said, it, that brilliant for John, and I, I genuinely think he. he he deserved to be man of the match even without the goals. I thought he looked our best player at mm. times. He, the way he was driving forward, he was putting the ball into the box at the right hand. He was using the ball really well. He really is growing into the role of the last few games because he's he's not had the goals since, what, October, December was it? I think his last goal, possibly. Mm. I can't remember exactly mm. when it was like his last goal. It's been it's that been long. But even without the goals over the last three or four games, I think he's been really good. I think he he's very aware of the game around him now and... He knows when to drive with the ball forward. He's playing off the ball a lot better. He's still got to work a bit on his technique a little bit. He does overhit passes mm. occasionally. But, you know, that's going to come in time. He's learning in the role and, you know, fair play to the lad. And like I said, I really hope he can kick on and get a few more goals for the rest of the season because I think he can play a big part in us getting into the playoffs at least. Yeah, definitely. One thing I will say, though, is that I think his teammates need to maybe have a little bit more faith in him sometimes. Like, sometimes he'll... He'll chase down an absolute lost cause, and he'll he'll get the ball, but he's like in a bit of a corner with like yeah, three or four yeah, opposition right. yeah. players around him, and there's not a lot that he can do with it. Like, whereas I think teammates need to sort of, you know, be able to make themselves selves available when he's chasing one of them lost causes, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right with that. He, he nearly scored a perfect hat trick as well, didn't he? Because he had that mm, shot from yeah. what, about 25 yards that only just went over the bar. And he also yeah, scored yeah. with his head and scored with his right foot. So, mm. you know, he, he, hopefully he'll, he'll he'll go beyond the brace and get a hat trick soon. That's what that's what we're really hoping for with him. Um, yeah. If we're going to focus on all the individual plays, I've picked a few more out here. Um, and this is one that actually uh, I think it was a Chris Coulter or Craig Coulter, I think he is on um, uh, Twitter asked us about it. And Rod McDonald, I think he deserves a bit more praise than he's getting. And you know what? I think considering the stick he got a few games ago from some fans. He's been outstanding over the last few games for me. And him and Hayden look like the form in that partnership that they had again just before Reese Bennett came into the team, doesn't he? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we said at the time when he was getting a bit of stick that some of it was a little bit over the top. Um, but he's the worst uh, defender ever and stuff like that. I mean, get it, Grim. Ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. But uh, particularly in the Scunthorpe game, because something he hasn't really been is a threat on set pieces. But in the Scunthorpe game, he was. And and that's that's great to see because you know you want their big men marking our centre halves and leaving John Mellish and March really don't you so yeah uh, I think he's he's been solid it's it's good to have that right footed centre back on the right of the pair and the left footed centre back on the left because um, it it just gives us a little bit more balance and the way that he you know he goes long when he needs to and he he's able to sort of play it out and be composed when, when when he can as as well so that's that's great to see what i like when he plays it long and i've said this before is he he looks to pick a pass he doesn't just hit it long into space he mm. looks to try and do that crossfield ball over to patrick on the right or alessandro mm. if he's out there that's what he's always looking for and i've got no qualms about him playing alongside Hayden for the rest of the season. I'd like to see another defender on the bench soon, hopefully. Hopefully, he yeah. can get himself fit. But um, we'll I was going to say, we don't have a lot of choice about our centre-back part- partnership at the minute, okay. really. I think, to be honest, I think Nick Anderton basically is the backup centre-back right now, isn't he, the way it's, yeah. the way it's going? But there you go. Uh, sort of on the topic of Anderton almost, but uh, Jack Armour, we keep mentioning every week, but he really is growing into that role at left-back, isn't he? And, making it his own really and you'd imagine the way it's going Anderton's going to have a fight on to get back in the team before the end of the season yeah definitely um, he really is just it's still mad to believe that he's only 19 he's just mm. such a such a good young prospect and his his uh, ability on the ball as well for a defender um, is is very good I think because people have talked about having him as a centre back but I quite like him going forward as a, as a yeah. left back to be honest with you so I wouldn't I wouldn't change that right now no I think maybe long term in the very very long term he could be a centre back but for me mm. the way he gets forward and gets up and down the pitch I'm quite happy for him to be left back and in, to be honest I'd rather we maybe worked on Anderton as a centre back maybe as an option there mm. instead um, another one George Tanner quietly getting back to his best isn't he it's sort of almost going unnoticed because arm is doing so well on the left we're not really noticing the fact that last couple of games for me tanner looks more like the player we saw pre-injury doesn't he yeah i mean i think he was kind of thrown in at the deep end a little bit after a long-term injury and then thrown into saturday tuesday saturday tuesday a bit um, but yeah, I mean, I think because a lot of his game is getting up and down on that right hand side, and I think as he's got fitter, he's just got better and better at that, hasn't he? Really, and um, hopefully we'll see, you know, him getting some of them balls into the box for uh, players to get on the end of again very soon. I think what helps him as well is having a, a consistent partner down the wing as well. So for the last few games, obviously he's had Mario Patrick mm. down there, and I think that really helps because. Over the games, he builds up understanding with players, and even when Alessandro yeah. comes out to the right as well. Whereas if we're constantly chopping and changing, as we were doing for for a short while, it's sometimes mm. difficult because different players have different skill sets and ways you use them, don't they? So I think that's yeah, really definitely. helped him a bit of consistency as the wing player. Yeah, again, we we tend to play Riley on the right of the midfield three, and he often sort of pitches into that right back slot to help out if he's you know outnumbered there a little bit um and they obviously have a good understanding having uh you know played together before and stuff so yeah it's um you know i'm hoping that you know while we said before that some teams are slumping a little bit that we're really coming in into our own and we're just going to get better and better yeah and at the moment your team's picking itself really isn't it Over the last few games it's been unchanged and we mentioned obviously Mellish in midfield, but we've got to we've got to mention them again. Joe Riley's energy is just ridiculous. It's just game by game. I mean, really hope he's not picked up a bad injury in that Scunthorpe game. And Callum Guy as well, looking back to the the player we saw and his set pieces are looking better as well. And mm. like I said, he's got that assist record and or not, not assist record, but he's top of the assist charts now. And mm. all his stats about in terms of interceptions and tackles are right up there as one of the best midfielders in the division again. Yeah, definitely. I think um, with Riley, you know, you touched on that shot that he had in the Scunthorpe game. I think you could probably do a good compilation video of nearly goals from him. From Jack you know, Riley, yeah. Yeah, because he, 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 you know, he's got one hell of a shot on him from distance and he's, he's, he's been unlucky like so many times. I think, you know, 
but I think there's definitely a, a 10 to 15 goal a season midfielder in, in, in there with him and hopefully he'll achieve that with us I hope so I, I think he, maybe if he can get more, one or two more before the end of this season then that's something for him to work on over the summer isn't it for next season hopefully mm. in League One as well we'll have to wait and see mm. um, before we move on the way we play at the moment when Josh Coyote's fit again do you bring him back in the team? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because we've seen what a brilliant yeah. player is and how important he's been to our team this season. But I don't think I'd disrupt the setup right now, would you? No, probably not. I mean, it's hard because I think we've started having this run of form when Beach has he rotated a little bit and some of the players who we've said now they should be starting, they've been playing well because they've been a bit fresh. Because, you know, the, your likes of Alessandra, he's, he had a few games out of the team. Zanzala... You know, he wasn't starting every week and he, he was allowed to build his fitness and, and now he is starting. Um, even Riley was rested one week and yeah. and stuff like that and uh, Guy had a few games out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just depends on how fit the players are. We don't want to tie them out too much, but Coyote is going to struggle to get into that front, front three because Zanzala, that centre-forward spot is his. You know, it really is. And Coyote hasn't been as effective when he's played in one of the wide forward uh, spots. Um, You know, I I wouldn't say that Patrick and Alessandra have been at their best, to be honest with you. I I think... In the last couple of games, Patrick has. I think Patrick's looked like a player who's taken a bit more responsibility. I think he looks really good, actually, to be fair. Yeah, he's looked looked better, but for me, he hasn't been been at his best. No, that's fair enough. You know, uh, and Alessandra, again, I'm a big fan of his, but I don't think he's been at his best either. So, you know, Coyote might get his chance and, or, you know, maybe Alessandra and um, and Coyote and uh, Patrick, Patrick will, uh, you know, sort of uh, work hard to knowing that their place in the team is under threat. Absolutely. But we don't desperately need his throw-ins again now, though, do we? Because it uh, <laughs> turns out we've got mm. four players who could take long throw-ins in our squad. In uh, obviously Coyote, Alessandra, uh, Dickinson, who's sadly out for the rest of the season by the looks of things, mm. and uh, Joe Riley, who's <laughs> got a long mm, throw-in. Exactly. We learned that. And it seems like Alessandra's mm. just handed over duties to him now as well, just to take those long throws. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. The interesting stat again that came out, wasn't it, by the fact that we've, I think we're the most effective team in terms of getting shots from long throws as well. So it does show that he's a useful weapon for us. So, yeah, yeah de- def- definitely, yeah. And, you know, you you want ed- every little slight advantage that, that you can, really, where you can get goals from. And it's, it seems to be working for us. And we, we have quite a big team as well. You know, we've got quite a lot of tall players. Um, so it's only right that we're using this. I think in the modern game, short throwings are maybe going to become extinct. Oh, that's big! Another big, big Mike Booth shot off the podcast. So there you go, the end of the short, long, the short throwing. And there you go. Yeah. Uh, right, I think that's pretty much the match review stuff done. Another good couple of games. Uh, hopefully, another couple of good games to look forward to as well. So we'll be looking ahead to those just after the break. So we'll be back in just a sec. Hi, this is George Tanner. You are listening to the Brunton Bugle, and we're back for part two. Uh, and we're going to be looking ahead to the second Cumbrian derby of the season. Uh, first up, uh, trip down to Barrow. Uh, the A595 derby, as I would like to call it. Um, I mean, anyone who dri- was ever going to drive down to this game in the A595 was off their rocker, quite frankly, because <laughs> yeah. it's like hell on earth. I mean, it's not too bad on the you know the, the stretch from Carlisle to Cockermouth and then maybe down to Whitehaven, but once you start to get past Millam and places like that, my God, it is not a fun road to drive on. I drove down it in a wagon one night in the pitch black, and it was, yeah... You there's there's one bit in particular where it goes through a village, doesn't it? And it's really tight and it's 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 mm. not much fun at all, really. Um, so, yeah, obviously, it's one of those games, isn't it? The, the Cumbrian derby that we're all looking forward to. And for this game, we wanted to get an opposition fan to discuss with us. And it's a very special one. We managed to get Adam Johnson, who's the BBC Radio Cumbria commentator for Barrow Games. Um, he sat down with me uh, earlier this week just to have a quick chat about the game and how Barrow have got on in their first season back in the EFL in nearly 50 years. And uh, here's the chat with Adam now. OK, Adam, thanks for taking the time out with us to speak about how Barrow's season's gone so far today. Well, let's get straight into it. How do you think things have gone in your first season back in the Football League for what? nearly 50 years I suppose with the disruption with Everett leaving in the summer it was always sort of going to be a consolidation survival if you want to call it season wasn't it 
Yeah, I, th- I think um, everyone everyone knew it was going to be it was going to be tough. It was going to be tricky, as you say, losing losing your manager and then a bit of a, a restructuring. Really, that you could say it, it always it, it always takes a bit of the the stability that you would have had on the back of of being promoted had had Everett stayed, and obviously the a lot of the players stayed around. So it, it did make things a lot trickier. You could probably say it was. The way, the way I've looked at it is, is it's like somebody being in a somebody being being asleep for a, a long length of time, waking up in a, a completely different area to what they've been used to, doing a completely different thing. That's the way that it's gone about. So it, it was a bit of a rebuild, and but I think all overall, obviously there's been a few hiccups along the way, but it, it's looking very good now for potentially being in the Football League next season, which is what it's all about. Obviously, whenever it left in the summer, it was a big disappointment, but sort of understandable going to a club as big as Bolton. Do you think they made the right decision in bringing in David Dunn in the first place? And do you think maybe the right decision to get rid of him when they did? Um, it, it's it's a tough one, really. I think, I think the board, they wanted to try and follow that same path is what they had with Ian Everett. With Ian Everett, yeah. they brought somebody in that didn't have a, a relative amount of managerial experience, but he was a name in the game and, and things just seemed to, to follow that path and stuck well. Uh, obviously, we have the keys with getting people like Matt Platt. Matt Platt is someone that's worked with David Dunn in the past, and I mm-hmm. think a lot of that had to do with it, that link with Blackburn Rovers as well. So I think that's the path that they went down. I think the board themselves have realised that maybe they needed to go down a bit more of an experienced route. But as you do, you, you know they've appointed David Dunn. I think the decision maybe to, to let him go ended up being a, a bit soon. Maybe they could have given him a bit more time, obviously, with the appointment of Michael Jolly, which ended up being a, a short-lived <laughs> one. And not the greatest, as you say there. I think maybe they could have given David Dunn that little bit more time to, to try and steady things and get things going and who knows who knows what would have happened but I think the board have just looked at the situation at the time and, and the points that the club were picking up and I think they felt that they needed to, to do something and they needed to do something uh, on on the fast side. I suppose it's a learning process for the board as much as anyone isn't it because it's a completely different setup to being in the National League isn't it being in the EFL and the, the challenges of you know, staying in there as well especially I suppose it's been difficult for them. Absolutely they, they've they're, they're constantly learning. They've had a, a, a lot of things thrust upon them in, in such a short space of time. If you look at it from the decision being made on the 17th of June and then yeah. a month later, they're losing the manager. And so on the, the case of having to look for a manager, they're also having to do all the other things off the pitch to get the, the club ready for the Football League. And at the same time, you've got the, the pandemic on us, which which hasn't made things uh, any, any easier. So it's been a massive learning curve for them. But I think the they're getting round to it. They're getting there the same as everyone else. And it's just all about now that that big thing of being a football league side next season and, and having the fans back in, being able to do it properly. You seem to put together the basis of a quite decent, solid squad for this level, though. When I looked at it, when we did our pre-season preview episode back in September, we did say that we didn't think you'd be in trouble. We felt you'd probably be lower mid-table, but pretty safe. And... One of the key things, though, the player was already there is Scott Quigley. How important have his goals been for you this season? Well, I, th- I think now they, they have been. He's the top scorer with eleven goals, mm. and uh, he's he's played his part massively in this in this revival that they've been going on for. The problem, one of the biggest problems you had was it's the luck that they had at the start of the season with injuries. Yeah. Uh, Scott Quigley, for one, was suspended for the first three games of the season because of his red card in the Notts County game, which was the final game for Barrow before the uh, National League was suspended last season. So he missed the first three games with that three-match suspension. Then after that, he picked up a little bit of an injury in the next one as well. So he will go out Scott Quigley for probably about a month of the season. Uh, There's been other injuries. Mike Jones, who was a a massive, massive player when David Mm. Dunn brought him in, and he was really looking like he was hitting the heights and being the the leader in the centre midfield that the club needed. He picks up an injury, which has ruled him out for the rest of the season. Matt Platt, a, a key defender, he's he's been ruled out for quite some time throughout the season. So the, the injury side of things, he, David Dunn was never able to play a, a settled team that he will have wanted. And 
it was always chopping and changing, chopping and changing, and, and the luck just didn't seem to be there in games. I mean, if you look at all the all the results this season, there's only a couple of times that Barrow have been beaten by more than one goal. They've, mm-hmm. they've been in it in games all the way, but just the fine margins at one end of the pitch and the other, and just that little bit of luck that, that hasn't been with them at times this campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Um, talking about obviously Mike Jones there, we might as well get on to the uh, the ex Carlo men in the squad because there's there's quite a few, isn't there? You've got a uh, Jamie Devitt, Mike Jones, Pat Bruff, and Connor Brown as all well. very short spell Connor Brown out of Carlisle, but the rest of them are a little bit longer. And how how are they all getting on? Uh, well, Connor Brown sadly now isn't isn't part of the the twenty two with the, ah, right. the rebuild that went on in January, but. With Connor Brown, he's still he's still around the club. He's still at training. He's still an integral part of the whole close knit squad that they've got, which was the massive thing when Rob Kelly came back in for his second spell as caretaker. He, he brought that that close knit squad back together. And it was mm-hmm. it was massively important for him. So he's he's a great lad around the club. Obviously, Jamie Devitt, he's he's starting I think to show what Jamie Devitt's all about. Yes, yeah. he, he's been another person as in that's been so unlucky with. With injuries and with fitness over the the, the time since since leaving Carlisle, yeah, you could probably say, <laughs> and um, he, he's starting to show exactly what he's all about. He's he's been a a, a great addition to the squad. Patrick Bruff is he's, he's phenomenal down that left hand side of the field. He, it's amazing to think that he played centre half for the whole of last season in the incredible run which saw Barrow promoted. He's come back out to the left hand side of midfield now playing as a left wing back and he's, he's been so so key for battle it's funny you mentioned about Bruff because he actually he started out as a left wing in Carlisle's youth setup and I think he it was when he got brought into the first team squad he was used as almost a cover left back I think it was the start of the 13-14 season if that rings a bell when Greg Abbott basically got sacked as Carlisle manager he came in and played a couple of games and bless him, he played a game away at Bradford and we were 4-0 down at half-time in that game. And he, he got subbed off. He hadn't played badly, but I think it was basically just Greg saying, I'm taking you out the firing line because <laughs> he was having a bit of a, a tough time. But, but yeah, I mean, Pat's one of those ones I think a lot of Carla fans look back and think maybe could have done with keeping him a bit longer. But he also had Danny Granger in front of him in the team. So I think he was always going to have a challenge to get a starting spot for Carla. But it's good to hear they're all doing really well. Um in terms of the actual game itself, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because I think both it's been described as a derby in the media, and I can understand why. It is something to get excited about. But the impression I get is that both set of fans don't really see it so much as a derby. And I think from the Barrow viewpoint, you guys seem to think of Morecambe more as your derby, don't you, historically? Yeah, well, obviously it's the whole thing of Barrow originally being classed as part of Lancashire, and yeah. since since the early seventies, it's it's become Cumbria, and I think a lot of the people, all the people that are, that are old in the tooth, uh, they look at it as as Morecambe is, is the derby. It always mm. has been. I mean, myself, I I go for a a walk of the morning in the area that I go for a walk. I can look across and I see Heesham Power Station. <laughs> that's that's how close Barrow is wow. to Morecambe. So it's it's Morecambe will always be. And I think for the younger generation, we played a lot more competitive fixtures against Morecambe than we did yeah. Carlisle. So I think on that side, people will look at it as as Morecambe being the, the, the main rivalry. But I think as time goes on, the more the more games that, that, that we play together, I know you've got eyes <laughs> further up and, and hoping to be a level above Barrow next season. But it's one of those, isn't it? The more games that they play against each other, the more that rivalry will grow. And you know, we're in Cumbria now. We've, it's 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 a part of Cumbria, so you know, why not enjoy having a, a, a Cumbrian derby? Hmm. What what's the future ambitions for the club then? Because when I look at Barrow, they, they've done brilliantly the last couple of years, obviously, to get themselves into the EFL. But I think for the couple of times I've been to Holker Street, <laughs> the setup is still. I suppose you'd argue still fairly non-league. You've done the work to the Holker Street end. Is there plans for the ground and things like that? And things like the youth setup as well, because obviously that's one thing that, that probably, I wouldn't say caught you guys unaware, but because you've come up so quickly, you haven't had a chance to really get a, a proper youth setup like clubs at EFL ever have. What are the hopes there? Uh, the board the board are continuing to, to, to build the club up. They, they know there's things that need doing and, and they've, they've got ambitions, they've got plans. And again, it's one of those things that, the longer that you're a football league club, mm. the more chance of those plans happening. There's the fan zone that's been that's been built. They, they, 
that that area of the pitch, that area of the ground was was desolate. It was a it was a five a side pitch for a, a, a lot of years, and there was just nothing on it. Now all of a sudden, next season when the fans are back into Holker Street, there's going to be a vibrant area there where the fans will enjoy a, a proper bar with you know the facilities there, TVs all around it, surround sound speakers for the music, an, an actual area that will start being loved and start generating money. So they've already started the things on there. They've got plans on generating the, the stands, moving moving the changing rooms under the main stand as well to create more space inside the actual club in itself for trying to generate revenue. So that's what it's all about for the board now. They've, they've got ambitions. that they've, they've started off doing it and they aren't going to stop either. They'll continue to carry on regenerating Holker Street. You know, that it's it's had a lot of years where it, it's not been loved and it's all about turning that process around. And I know on the, the youth side of things, again, that's another thing where there, there is ambitions there to to improve the, the youth side of things. Craig Rutherford does a does a sterling job as the um the community head at, at Barrow AFC and works well with the, the youth side of things as well. He he's he's on the club's coaching staff as well, forming that little link between the youth side and the first team. So again, it's it's one of those things. The longer that you're a football league club, the more chance of of pushing on and, and getting those things in place. Absolutely. Before we get on to the predictions, Adam, uh, I've just got to ask you almost a personal question here. You obviously came to start working with BBC Radio Cumbria a few years ago doing the commentary. Could you have imagined that you would have been a football league commentator in a few years' time? Not at all. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I started I started this journey. Uh, back in 2016 as a, a volunteer for my local hospital radio mm. and uh, never in a million years if you'd have told me four years later you're going to be travelling to Derby on the 5th of September to commentate on the first round of the League Cup I'd, I'd have been looking at you thinking what what the heck are you on <laughs> it, it's been it's been an amazing journey and it's it's just fantastic as I say that it's at this point now I was a, a BBC commentator for the club that I've supported for for, for 20 plus years as as a football league side. Brilliant. Okay then, Adam, let's do the predictions then. What, what do you reckon for the game this weekend? I can't really give you a prediction on the score. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be boring on that front. I, uh, I landed myself in it when I when I, I did a prediction on our sports show prior prior to the first derby. So I, I think I'll steer clear of that one. But <laughs> okay. hopefully, I mean, it's two, it's two sides that need the points for obviously differing reasons. So I hope to see a very open, good game of football. I don't think Barrow showed their true potential in the game back at Brunson Park in October. I think they, they got caught in the in, in, in the headlights a little bit maybe. So I think they're going to be a bit different this time round. I think they're going to be set up a lot differently. So just hopefully a, a decent game of football, I think, between two sides, as I say, that are desperate for the points for for differing reasons. Cheers, Adam. That's brilliant. Thank you. Hey, no problem at all, Lee. Thanks a lot, mate. Oh, thanks again to Adam for that chat. Really, really good to catch up with him on uh, how things are getting on down Furnace Way. Um, yeah, Barrow this season, uh, um, Mike, in a strange way, as much as they're struggling near the bottom, I think they'll probably be reasonably happy with how things have gone considering all the disruption they've faced throughout the campaign yeah I mean it's crazy that they're on their third manager already uh, it's you know it's been a, a bit of a mad season and there's been news today hasn't there that there could be a club in the league facing administration which from a Barrow point of view would be nice um, you know because they're not quite safe yet Um you know, the, the, I wouldn't say that they they should be really scared of getting relegated, but they're not quite safe either. Um, and I think if uh, the rumored team is to go uh, into administration, that'll it'll probably make them pretty much safe. To be honest, yeah, with you. it's Colchester's the rumored team, isn't it? Yeah, by all accounts. And when you look at the table at the moment, Barrow is sitting there. They're six points clear of Southend with two games in hand on Southend. They're Eight points clear of Grimsby with one game in hand on Grimsby. Grimsby are not going to win three games in the remaining mm. seven fixtures. They're mm. just not. They've only mm. won seven games all season. Mm. And similarly, Southend, they've won eight games out of 40 all season. At maximum, they're going to win one more game, probably. 
and I, I just can't see it. I think Barrow will be fine. Barrow mm. fans, if you listen to this, apologies that I've probably just put a jinx on it all for you, but, uh, <laughs> but there you go. But the, the form Barrow have picked up, I think they should be all right for the rest of this season. And yeah, you look at it in the recent games, they've got some good results in recent matches. Obviously, beating Newport's mm. the one that stands out, doesn't it? Uh, Jamie Devitt getting the um, the goal in that game, didn't he? Um, I love him. <laughs> I think we both do, don't we? I'm just hoping mm. he maybe he has a little, you know, flu bug or something this weekend and doesn't fancy playing. That'd be that'd be yeah, grand, wouldn't it? You know, that'd be nice because he's, he's he's nailed on to score. Otherwise, I think it's fair to say, um, yeah. having scored for Newport against us earlier this season. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I just I just feel like if I was a Barrow fan, I'd be looking and thinking, okay, it's been a bit of a bumpy ride at times, but actually. We're, we're going to be an FL team next season. That's the most important thing. And then we build from there. Because when you look at the squad they've put together, actually, particularly since January, if they can clear out some of the deadwood, they've got a decent base to build on for next season, haven't they, when you look at it? Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, players like Devitt, uh, by all accounts, Pat Bruff has more than proven himself. Uh, Quigley, of course. You know, they've got, you know the sort of spine of a good team. And I think once they establish themselves as a football league club, they can attract um, mm. other football league players. You know, when you're the sort of new club on the block, it's quite hard to maybe make them establish football league signings. Um, but yeah, you know, g- good luck to them. But it's about establishing themselves as a proper football league club now, isn't it? And um, Adam touched on... Um, Obviously, need to set up a have a proper youth team and all, all the rest of it. But I was thinking, you know, we talked about the A five nine five. If they're to have a youth team, I think young lads from the likes of Whitehaven, they're not going to want to go down to Barrow, are they? Really? Uh, we'll still have few. the. They might pick up a yeah, few. Yeah, well, know. I think we'll, I think we'll still have first dibs on on mm. them young lads, and e- even young lads from the likes of sort of Kendall. They tend, Lake, they, they tend to get, a lot of them tend to get picked up by Preston though, don't they? And occasionally by Morgan They do. As well, that's yeah. that's the thing. Even Blackburn as well. So, yeah, I think um, they won't have much of a catchment area for attracting you know young kids. But the the challenge they face as well is the fact that at the moment their training base is in Manchester, isn't it? Right now, mm. I, I, I can't remember. I think they are Macclesfield or Berry's old training ground. I think they use now. Um, mm. They're down that way anyway, basically, and. That actually kind of works to their advantage for the first team level, though, doesn't it? Because mm. like us with the issue of the players having to travel so far, because, I mean, travelling to Barrow from Manchester is, is near enough travelling to the same time, travelling up to Carlisle, isn't it, really? Because the road's mm. so bad all the way from the mm. motorway down to Barrow. So mm. having a training base in Manchester actually really helps them with players particularly, doesn't it? Because they, they only have to travel up at the weekend for the games, don't they? Yeah, well, I mean, Devitt lives in Manchester, doesn't he? So that's probably more appealing to him than maybe joining us because, you know, training is relatively on his his doorstep. And, you know, we moan about our location. And, yeah, you'd have Barrow in there competing with the likes of um, Oldham or or whatever for for location, you know, when you only have to go to Barrow itself on on every other Saturday. Yeah, so it's it's much easier for them in that sense, isn't it? I suppose so. Mm. Um, it, it's going to be a tough test this one, though, isn't it? I think because when you look at their defense, they, they've been fairly solid for most of the season, haven't they? They haven't got the worst defense. I mean, they've got. Uh, I was looking there. They, their goal difference is actually, I think it's the is it the second or the third best. It's the sorry second best in the goal difference in the bottom half of the division mm. on minus three. So they're not far off a positive goal difference. And actually, I had a look through their results, and they've only conceded more than three goals on three occasions. And mm. one of those was a free-free draw against Bolton. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I think the, the heaviest defeat was a 4-2 defeat to Crawley. So they've mm. not been beaten by more than two goals this season. A lot of, lot of one nils and 2 nils and things like that. So, you know, they, they do keep it generally quite tight, don't they? So it, it, it's mm. not going to be an easy test in that sense, is it? No, it's it's not at all, and like I say, they're not a hundred percent safe either. So they'll, they'll still sort of have them, you know. They won't be uh, have the sandals on and act like they were already on holiday. You know, they'll still. No. And obviously, and obviously, it's a derby. Uh, 
relatively speaking. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's it, it'll be a big game for them. And, you know, it's, it's just a shame, really, isn't it, that fans can't go because this would be a, a fantastic away game. It would be, it would be. And it's one of those things, if we were, by some miracle, able to go through the playoffs and they stayed up, you'd, you'd be a little bit disappointed thinking, oh, well, that was the first chance of a Cumbrian derby in, what, 50-odd years and there you yeah. go, we're not even getting the chance to go there, but never mind. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I think this is going to be one of those tough games, isn't it? And I think we'll, it'll be interesting to see how uh, things go with that one, but uh, hopefully a good entertaining game and a, a Cal United win, most importantly of all. <laughs> Have you seen their penalty area as well? Yeah, it's a little bit of a beach, isn't it? Really, I don't think it's. Yeah, I don't think it's as worse as some teams overall the pitch. But I mean, mm. to be honest, from going down there to watch Workington play a couple of times, and also for Carlisle preseason games, the pitch is a massive improvement on what it used to be. It used yeah. to be really, really bobbly and not a, a football quality pitch at all. That looks like it's. It probably is a football quality pitch, but it is first season and it's bedding in basically. So it's going to take a while before it's up to the standard you'd expect, I think. Well, the issue with the penalty area was that they had a, a digger on it most of the way through the summer because they were sorting yeah. out that stand. Um, mm. So it didn't have much sunlight. and So it's asking for a, a Joe Riley divot goal, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and fingers crossed, that's what we get. Get, get, get him on the Brunton Park pitch practising this week. And yeah. Just say, aim for the aim for any divot you can. And then sound it out when you get there. Have a good look at the goal, goal mouth, Joe. Um Okay, well, let's move on to the, the the next one after that one then, Mike. Uh, Newport County. This is arguably the biggest game of the season so far, I think. It's fair to say. Yeah, definitely. Simply because they're the team in seventh place and they're the team we're gunning for. If we do mm. manage to get a good result of Barrett, we get a win. I mean, the thing is, they actually play on the Friday night against Mansfield. Mm. So come Saturday, if they've lost 1-0 at Mansfield or drew 1-1, we'll know what the result's been. And we'll know, right, we can get within mm. a point or go level on points with them. That, that's yeah, the thing yeah. that'll stand out from it. So it really is a huge game, this one. It, it, it's our game and handle a lot of other teams. And obviously the fact that it's Newport County as well means it is a really big opportunity to make a statement and, and push for a playoff place, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I go as far to say if we can win this, then I will really... I mean, I've got a bit of hope now, but if we win this, I'll really, really, really be believing that this is going to be something special. But... That's that's the one that like that we really really have to get the points from. And again, it's you know we 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 can't lose it. Basically, I think if we lose it, then that's it. A draw is not favourable, but we won't lose any ground on them. Uh, but yeah, the defi- definition of a six pointer. We haven't won at Newport in. Uh, I'm just checking here. In pretty much exactly. 33 years. 2nd of oh, April, geez. 1988, we won 2-1 at mm-hmm. uh, Newport County, obviously in the, the previous guys of the club, which is effectively connected to the club now, isn't it, I think? So, mm. so yeah, it, it, it's one of the ones we, we really need to <laughs> dig out a result for the first time in a long time there. Um, I mean, start of the season, we felt they might struggle a little bit, maybe struggle to get a playoff place this season because of the amount of turnaround of players they'd had. But, I mean... Michael Flynn has done an incredible job at this club, hasn't he, when you look at it. They spent mm. they spend the vast majority of the season in the top seven. I think since the third game, they've only had one game where they've been outside the top seven. And they spent mm. 12 games top of the league as well at one point. Mm. They've obviously dropped off from there and it's been a bit of a fight, but they've kept themselves in the playoff contention. And when you look at the job he's done, surely there's going to be bigger clubs sniffing around him in the summer, whatever happens. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, my prediction in the mid-season preview is that they would drop out of the playoffs ultimately, but mm. they have been clinging on in there. And, you know, you look at the squad, there's, they're almost the opposite of us in a lot of ways. They have a lot of really good experienced heads in there. Mm. Um, obviously, you know, Kevin Ellison, who's 86 now, I think. <laughs> uh, and Nicky Maynard, you know, uh, Sheen, uh, Taylor... You know, they've got a lot of uh, experienced heads. But at the same time, if they're going to be doing a bit of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, you know, older players can't handle that. And having said that, we have struggled to handle that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm looking at their last lineup here, Mike. And Maynard, I have to say, actually, really smart signing that on loan from uh, 
Mansfield Town. I think he was one of those ones mm. where they just couldn't really afford to keep paying his wages at the current rate, so they mm. let him go there. And you know, he's looked a good sign. I mean, Patrick Hammond, you know, he's one player who's been brilliant for them over recent seasons. He's he's not been quite as effective this season, hasn't he? Really, they've they've looked more to other other players up front, really. And uh, you, like you said, you look at it, a lot of experience in there. I mean. The signing of Joe Ledley in recent weeks as well stands out as one that they brought him in and he's one who potentially could help drag them over the line, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and they've done well. You know, like I say, they've done really well to cling on in there because in January they lost quite a few key players. Um, mm. I, I, th- I think they had a few on loan, didn't they? Um, think, didn't they lose pretty much all? I think only bar, only bar one of their loan players, all of them went back, didn't they, I think? Yeah, Something yeah, so... Like yeah, so yeah, uh, it's it's going to be a very very tough game. Uh, but like you said before, if we can win it, it really shows a, a sign of intent from us. Yeah, uh, their recent form. It's interesting. I didn't mention this in the Barrow bit. Barrow are seventh in the last six games form table. Newport are ninth in the last six fo- games form table. Guess which team's eighth in the last six games form table? Uh, surely not us. It's us, yeah. <laughs> we're sandwiched in between the two of them, so we're basically okay. playing two teams with very similar forms. Was right now. Yeah. Uh, Newport, interestingly, they also obviously they won last time out against Bolton. A bit, bit of a shock result. That I think everyone was expecting mm. Bolton to go down there and get a result. And apparently, there was a bit of a goal ball scramble at the end where they looked like the ball might have crossed the line, but didn't yeah. quite. And yeah, it was it was similar to the Zanzala slash Bennett <laughs> goal. That if, yeah. if if you've seen it, it's uh, yeah. But yeah, prior to that uh, win over Bolton, they had three successive defeats and they were against Port Vale, mm. Orient and Barrow. And I know Port Vale and Orient have picked up a bit of form and Barrow aren't doing too badly, but arguably they're three teams they would have been looking at and thinking, right, we can get at least seven points out of these games, wouldn't you? You'd think for a team like Newport yeah. in the position they're in. Yeah, you'd think so. And they, they've got to play Cambridge and they've still got to play uh, Cheltenham. Um, and their last game of the season is it against Southend, who, you know, we both agree, haven't been very good. But yeah. if Southend have to win that game to stay up, you know, they might churn out a, a performance. I think Southend will be long dead and buried by then, I'm afraid. Um, yeah. so I think it's one of those ones where you're looking and you think to yourself, right, they're going to get three points, so we've got to do better, or we've got equal mm. that at the very least, I think, mm. on the last day. And that's why we're, in a sense, we're quite lucky that we've got Walsall on the last day who just seem to be faltering towards a very boring 20th place finish right now. Um, mm. Yes, I, I, again, I expect this to be a tough game. And when I picked out the sort of danger men for them, obviously I picked out Ledley and we mentioned Maynard and Josh Sheehan's the obviously other one. I think he picked up a Welsh mm. cab not quite recently, didn't he? I think so. Yeah. He's doing really well for himself. And yeah, I, I, can, I can see this being a game where we're going to have to really dig in to get a result, I think. I think Barrow is a game where we can look to try and dominate them as well as they've done recently. But this is the game where we might have to soak up a bit of pressure as well, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in terms of team news for the two games, um, maybe a little question over Joe Riley. Obviously picked up a foot injury, didn't he, against um, Scunthorpe? But there hasn't been much mention of it, so I suspect he's probably going to be okay on that basis, you yeah. think, wouldn't you? Um, Josh Coyote closing in on return. He started running... It's, it's one of the ones, maybe he'll be on the bench for one of these games, possibly, you never know. Mm. Danny Devine, I think they're just waiting to get this reserve game uh, played, aren't they? So we can get another mm. 90 minutes under his belt there. And um, Morgan Feeney's closing in on return as well, hopefully in the next week or two. Um, and the three that are out for the season are Jamie Armstrong with ankle injury and Reese Bennett and Brennan Dickinson with knee injuries. Um, although it's not been confirmed, that has it, but I think it's basically been hinted by a beach, hasn't it, that Neither of them are yeah. likely to play this season. So, so there yeah. you go. Um, okay, predictions. Um, first up, Mike, before you do yours, uh, Dan, very kindly, probably because of the fact that he got the last two games, Bob on was determined to get his <laughs> predictions in for this one. So uh, Dan sent me a voice note and here are his predictions. Hi, I'm going to go for the following predictions. Uh, a good solid 2-0. I'm not going to abandon it after the last two games. No, I didn't bet the double. Um, again, I'm not bothered who scores. It's all about the the points, and uh, I'd take I'd take a point at Newport. I'm going to go for a very dour nil nil on the absolute motocross track of a pitch. There you go. That's Dan's predictions. Once again, really annoy me because he won't pick any goal scorers. There you go. <laughs> so go on, Mike. Let's have yours as well. 
Well, I am going to go for a sound 2-1 win against Barrow. Uh, Mellish and um, Riley will, with his Divot goal. and Because obvi- obviously Devitt is going to score. So we're yeah. not going to keep a clean sheet in that one. Um, and the Newport game, I'm going to take the sweatiest 1-0 win in Ooh. the history of football. And uh, Mellish. Mellish again in that yeah. one. You know what? My predictions are almost exactly the same as yours. So I'm mm. going to go for a 2-1 with Barrow as well. Uh, but I'm going to go Mellish. And I'm going to have Zanzala as the other goal scorer. Uh, Devitt will score the goal for them, obviously. Um, and yeah, I'm going to go for a 1-0 win at Newport as well. And I reckon a John Mellish goal in the 87th minute to win it. Oh. It'll be a great defensive rear guard performance. I think Paul Farmer will be man of the match, some brilliant saves, and we'll win 1-0. So there you go. I've, 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 I've gone off the, you know, your 5-0s and your 4-0s now. I'm not, not doing anything <laughs> stupid like that anymore. It's all about You've sweat. gone off Callum Guy ever scoring. Yeah, it's all about sweaty wins. That's all I care about. Yeah. I don't care about anything else. There you go. Uh, Callum Guy is going to set up all three goals, by the way. That's just the way it's going to be. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Um, all right, let's do, quickly do the X-Files then, Mike. Um, and my God, it was a busy week for goals, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the list here. Really was. It's a fair few, so deep breath. Let's go through them. And amazingly, no Charlie White there either. <laughs> That's the thing that amazes you. All these goals. He must be injured or something. Uh, God. But, but we know we know who the new Charlie White is, though, don't we? We'll get onto him in a minute. Um, wow, yeah. And it what he scored for Bradford City um, in the same game. Andy Cook actually scored two goals as well. I think they was it four one win they picked up as well. I think it was against someone. Mm. Can't remember who it was, but yeah. So there's uh, some go- goals from Excalibur plays. Byron Webster. He scored for Bromley at the weekend. I watched a bit of um, Stockport against Bromley the other day. It was on BT Sport. Don't let anyone ever tell you that the National League is anywhere near the standard of the EFL because it really is not. It, that was mm. not a good game of football I watched. And bear in mind, I watched 90 minutes of Cal United versus Leighton on it the other week, so I've got every right to criticise a crap <laughs> game of football, quite frankly. Um mm. Okay, Mark Ellis, he scored two goals, a goal a game, uh, in the two games over the Easter weekend for Notts County. Like his third goal since signing for them on loan, isn't it, as well? Seems mm-hmm. to be a bit of a goal machine for them. Fair, fair play to the lad. Um, uh, next up is the one we say is the new Charlie White. It's Jerry Yates. He got a brace in one game, then scored a, a one goal in another game for Blackpool over the last weekend. He's absolutely on fire this season, isn't he? He's going to get a big move in the summer, isn't he? There's no doubt. If, if Blackpool yeah. don't go up, he's going to get a championship move. I can't see anything mm. other than that. Um, Jamie Devitt, as mentioned before, he scored the winner for Barrow with a free kick against Newport. Um, name we haven't seen for goals for quite a while. Brad Potts, he scored for mm. Preston North End. Uh, Cole Stockton, he scored for Morecambe, but he also missed a penalty in the previous game at the weekend. Um, here's a name we really don't hear very often in terms of goal scoring. Sean McGinty, the one-minute wonder. Uh, <laughs> he scored a penalty for Greenock Morton. Um, Scottish football obviously returned recently, the lower levels. Uh, Naki Wells, he scored for Bristol City. Tom Lawrence got an absolute belter for um, Derby County. I don't know if you saw that one, uh, Mike. It was sort of very reminiscent of the long-range ones he scored for us. Really, mm. really good hit. Um, and finally, Richie Bennett, and this brings us on to signings, he scored for Hartlepool because he's just signed on loan for Hartlepool United for the rest of the season from Stockport mm. County. So sadly, we don't get to see the dream partnership of Bennett and Madden up front for Stockport, <laughs> but uh, never mind there. But you know, he, he seems to be uh, doing all right and settling quickly at, at pools. Um, and the other transfer bit of news we've got, um, you spotted this one, I think, Mike, or you, you highlighted something about this, was uh, Jeffrey Monacana, a sign for Icelandic side Magni. Um, yeah. No idea which what level I, or who they are, but there you go. Which I think... Right, I think he's 27 years old and it's his 16th or 17th club of his career. That's Trevor Benjamin-esque, is isn't incredible. it? <laughs> he, he played for like 30-odd yeah. clubs in his career, didn't he? he was incredible. And mm. uh, there you go. That's it. That's uh, the exclusive. And that's uh, the end of today's episode. Mike, thanks once again for joining me. Um, it's going to be an interesting few weeks, isn't it, really? You know, the running now, really. really when we're in mm. the, uh, the death rows of this season and... I just have this feeling we might just nick one of those playoff places. And there's there's a link, I put it up on Twitter the other day, where you can predict the results for the rest of the season. And being mm. the stupid optimist that I am, uh, I managed to predict us to only lose one more game. That was a Bolton. Um, I think we only sort of, sort of lot, drew, I think, two or three of them maybe, and won the rest. Mm. 
and we ended up finishing, I think, fifth place in my prediction. Mm. It's absolute yeah. nonsense. But but then when you look at it, if we were our two games in hand, we're only four points behind third place Tranmere. Mm. That, well, that's how insanely know, tight it is. I, I really do reckon, and I, I know I said it on Twitter the other day, but if we do make the playoffs, I would back us to go up. Because I think yeah. the char- the character that you need to bounce back from this slump that we've had, you know, I think the togetherness that it would build within the squad, you know, you'd the form really, as well really we'd be in as well. The form yeah, we'd exactly. have to hit to get to that position as well yeah. would play a big part, I reckon. Um, yeah. But yeah, interesting. We were actually going to say, I completely forgot to actually bring this up, but we were going to talk about the the uh, the running, but maybe we'll do that next week, the last six games. But mm. when you look at it, the home games we've got left are all against teams that are below us. Mm-hmm. There's, there's real chances to pick up maximum points from those home games, isn't there? Definitely. Whereas the, the away games, there's a few tough ones in there, but you know, you never know. It, it the dream lives on, doesn't it? That's that's, that's yeah. the way you look at it, isn't it? So uh, there you go. So yeah, um, in terms of specials, I haven't had a chance to put together the special one I did with Dan yet about his uh, favourite eleven. There's no quiz this week as well, obviously, in case anyone had noticed. Um, what we're going to do next time, though, when all three of us are on, Mike, you're going to pick the players, aren't you? And you're going to test me and Dan. Yeah. A true heavyweight bout. <laughs> heavyweight <laughs> bout, I think it's fair to say, in more yeah. ways than one. Um, <laughs> but there you go. Uh, so, yeah, if you've got any comments or any feedback, if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on the show, please send them in via Twitter to at Brunton Bugle or by email to bruntonbugle at gmail.com. We want to start planning for what we're going to do during the summer as well soon because I don't think we're going to do like regular weekly episodes. We might get a, a bunch of specials put together, basically. So if there's anything you particularly mm. want us to talk about let us know and we'll get a few recorded and then we can put them out over the summer when like the euros are and things like that um if you haven't already remember you can subscribe to the podcast for all good podcast apps including acast spotify apple Podcasts, and google podcast please do so uh, give us a review if you haven't already um really really helpful they are i've seen a few more coming recently big thanks for that if you can give us a five star review that would be lovely stuff um had a look at the world map of the listeners there mike and i don't think we've got any new countries by looks of things uh, no, still plodding along the same ones. If you know anyone who lives in some random weird country, just tell them to listen. Download once, you, just so we can take it off. Or, or if you're going into a random country, like for work reasons or whatever, just tune in yeah. in that country. So you know, <laughs> yeah. well, that's that's the best way to do it. Yes, if you can do that, that'd be brilliant. Uh, Mike, thanks once again. Hopefully, we'll have uh, all three of us back on next week, and we do that quiz, and we can discuss another couple of good results and. Start making our plans for a trip down to Wembley at the end of uh, May. That's what we're hoping for, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cheers, Mike. That's the dream. Thanks for joining me. Uh, Thanks, everyone, and up the blues. Bye.